0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Disruptibility Podcast. Today we're talking to Yvonne Callan, who received the first license for medical cannabis here in Ireland. Her son has a rare form of epilepsy called Dravet syndrome. Yvonne is an incredible woman and this is an incredible story. Thank you for listening. So hello Yvonne Callan, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you today on the Disruptibility podcast Thank you. and you are an epilepsy awareness advocate and a medical cannabis advocate so today we're going to have a very interesting conversation about your journey and how you got into this space around disability etc. So, Thank you for having me yeah delighted, yes, <laughs> so do you want to get started by telling us how did you um get into this area? um
1: unfortunately uh, when we when we had our second little boy, he um, in his first year of life got a diagnosis of Gerva syndrome so um that that is what led us down this path it was It was trying to find out more about Gerva syndrome trying to find out the treatment options that are available, um, what to expect, uh, what it looked like, what the condition was involved, you know, uh, where it would affect them in life. Um, It didn't look positive at all. In fact, most kids uh, diagnosed with Jovey syndrome don't make it into their teens. So we were looking at a very bleak outlook. And the treatments that were currently available were just a rotation of pharmaceutical medications and a cocktail of them. So they'd they'd combine three or four or, or sometimes more. And then when they would become intractable, as I, as in they, they would wear off, and um, they would rotate the combination or add in another one. And um, it was just it was just a constant flow of um, of all these pharmaceutical medications. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just ask what exactly yeah. is Dravet syndrome? So Dravet syndrome is uh, its correct terminology is, is um, a catastrophic form of epilepsy. So it has um, a wide range of different types of seizures. So you can have absence seizures, which can be just stare-y. uh You can have drop attacks, um, which are atonic uh, seizures. So they people can just fall. And in those couple of seconds, fall like a tree, and they're back again, and um, they can be very dangerous. There's a lot of injuries with those. Mm-hmm. Um, Fibril uh, is as in there's it's temperature related. Their temperature um, threshold is usually quite low, so a wide variety of seizures, uncontrollable. Um, really difficult to stop and uh, prolonged, so they go into status, which is seizures lasting over five minutes. Um, it used to be thirty minutes, but they have brought that down to five minutes. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, so very difficult to control. Mm-hmm. Um, it there's a risk of um, intellectual disability. Mm-hmm. The longer the seizures go on, um, there's gait foot. There's uh, Bigger illness risk. Um, in fact, uh, the the uh, windpipe, windpipe. Yes. Uh, I'm losing my words now, but it, it it's narrower, so they are more prone to uh, respiratory infection. Um, mm-hmm. I can't think of the right term now, <laughs> but they're they're more pro- prone to a okay. respiratory infection. Because so there are many the implications loads. as a result of Gervais yeah. syndrome. Yeah, right. So um, treatment is usually broad. Um, you have a lot of medical medical professionals involved: OTs, physios, um, neuro neurologists, epileptologists, um, speech language therapists, and um, yeah, whole host of treatments. But the whole nothing.
0: multidisciplinary team are on board. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: but I think for Tristan, he was progressing too quickly, and mm. um, so they knew he was on the serious end of the condition. Um, and in fact, um, there was a palliative care plan put in place for him as well, um, which we weren't told about initially. And I, I think that they actually done the wisest move there by not telling us initially, um, but they had prepped all angles of the his medical team for him. Um, so that led us to looking more into the condition, what to expect, the kids that don't make it, the kids that do, and how they how their life is, what is their quality of life. Mm-hmm. And what other treatment options are out there? Um, I found a chap in California whose little boy had seizures that they were so severe. He had such terrible side effects from the pharmaceutical medications. His liver was being affected, and um, he had intellectual disabilities from the prolonged seizures. Um, his doctors were literally at a point of. He's going to die anyway. Why Why not? Let's try medical cannabis. And it worked for him. He started to slow down on his seizures. He started to have less seizures. And eventually, um, through years, and working with his doctor, um, got to a level where that little boy is now, you know, what, six years older. He's coming into his teens. Um, he has come off all pharmaceutical medications where they were at a point of saying he's not going to make it, there's no harm in trying whatever else. Yeah. So that led me to looking into the research further. I spoke with Raphael Meshelam in Israel. Mm -hmm. He led me to professionals in Canada, in America. And from there, we picked our our medical
0: team and we were able to to go abroad and access medical cannabis. Okay, so... That was when medical cannabis was seen as maybe an alternative treatment, whereas now it's nearly mainstream. Am I right? Yeah, I think I think it wasn't even being viewed at that as that at that point. Um,
1: there was still a lot of, and there probably still is a lot of stigma, but there was a heck of a lot of stigma attached to it even at that point. And I think it's ironic that that the one condition that it helps, epilepsy, has so much stigma attached to it as well. So they have a, you know, they have connection even at that. Um, it, it was. It was. It was big time taboo. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was.
0: So what happened then? Um, you found out that you had you could go to the states. So how did you do that? So within a
1: four month period of a diagnosis, we started fundraising. We found our medical teams. Mm-hmm. Um, from yeah, from the diagnosis, even though we had been prepped that this is likely what we're looking at. We had um, we had raised seventy seventy seven thousand seventy seven and a half thousand mm-hmm. in eleven weeks. It was crazy. The support was unbelievable. Um, was this
0: from West Cork or was it from all over? Ireland? It went
1: globally. It went globally. Initially, yeah. it was West Cork, and they yeah. were absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, everything from bingos to cake sales to fashion shows. Everything it was. We had set up a GoFundMe. Um, we done a lot of interviews and a lot of public awareness about what we were looking for Mm -hmm. and differentiating you know the medical side of things and why we were going down this route Mm -hmm. and um you know we we were answering a lot of questions on the radio this is medical it's you know because there were some people that thought why would you give your child a a drug like that you know so but we did change minds and we changed doctors minds which was important um so yeah, in that time frame, we we found our medical team, we went abroad. Um, like We had donations from Australia, we had donations from Spain, we had donations from America. It, it really did go globally, it was amazing. Um, then I left with Tristan, mm-hmm. he was a year and a half old, mm-hmm. and Daddy, and Oscar who was three stayed in Ireland right yeah
0: and this is what I found incredible you're an incredible woman because you went over there for how long on your own a with year. Tristan yeah a year yeah so the family actually had to split up we did for yeah to Ew. get the best treatment yeah because you couldn't get this treatment in Ireland no and at the yeah. time
1: we couldn't even get it in Europe so okay. where, where now patients are able to go to the Netherlands and get their prescriptions and get overseen in care there at the time when we were looking to do that um you had to be a resident for four years so that didn't actually change until 2016 so we had no other
0: alternative we we, was america or nothing it was america nothing and where did you go in america
1: um so we had the opportunity for new york colorado and we chose colorado Mm -hmm. um it was it was more cost effective temperature was was better suited. We cross-referenced everything to make sure that this would work better mm-hmm. for Tristan. Yeah. Um, and they were fantastic there. They They're absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And where they do have a legal side there, um, the medical aspect, it, it was fantastic. And, you know, we were able to access a, an electronic health record system and get experience with that and bring that experience back to the health service here. And, uh, yeah, so... it it was it was the best thing we ever done yeah okay
0: so let's you you're giving us a lot of information here so there was a couple of things number one you had to stay there a year was it to get the doses right for Tristan so that when you did return to Ireland you knew exactly what to do yeah we built up
1: a a case we built up a medical evidence to scientific based evidence based um his his medical files was the proof that this is working and Mm. And I think from from all aspects, getting the reports from our our physio, um, our OT, and him becoming so well that he didn't need some of these treatments anymore. And um, I think by September we were actually doing well enough to be able to come home, and we had expected to come home. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, I think. It, yeah th- things just didn't didn't work out paperwork wise to be able to come home at that point
0: and it ends up being literally the year then so right. yeah okay and while you were there you just mentioned the electronic tracker system all your heath- health records done yeah the, can yeah, you talk so, us through that a little bit because so right
1: now in Ireland they, they and they've been working on it for a few years getting getting the right electronic health record system in place and where we're covered by GDPR, it's it's something that they have to um, make sure that both are combined and there's no breach. Um where they didn't have that in America, um, that to worry about, part of the legislation. Um, but it was incredible, absolutely incredible. It was one of the best medical experiences to to, to be a part of over there. Mm-hmm. Um you could literally have the app on your phone so i was able to log in like you would on in your account on an app on on your phone and access the medical files so specific doctors in your medical team would have access to this while the emergency department would over there as well so if you came into the emergency department if it was you know, they never met you or your child before. Yeah. They were able to log in, see every medication, every contraindication, um, an allergy, something that's, you know, not to be given or the care plan, whatever it is, it's all there in the screen. They have it in every room. Um, they can access this on an iPad when they come into the room. They have it on the screen, everything. So Fantastic. it is so accessible. Um, one of the beauties of it coming into Ireland here is is taking the medical staff away from so many admin duties mm-hmm. keeping them with the patients in their duties in their in their work environment rather than the files and the files and the files and looking for the blood work and a patient ringing up what are the results and they have to wait till they talk to a doctor <clears throat> as opposed to this app or login on your computer or your doctor has it And when your blood work is back you get a notification you click into the the app on your phone or on your computer and you see the blood work at the same point you know an appointment system Mm -hmm. you get an alert uh, for an appointment you click accept or you click decline and you you send in an
0: alternative date it is so efficient yeah. So perfect. The patient has access to it, and the clinicians have exactly. access to it. So yeah. we're all speaking the same language. When can we expect to see this in Ireland? Good <laughs> yes, yes. It's part of part of the the
1: expense of, of the children's hospital, you know. But I mean, you know, if you're going in there with a sick child, you don't care. You don't think about that. You think about is is this going to be the best medical treatment facility for my child? And you know, there is. It, I can't wait for it. There's there's so much, so much it can do, mm-hmm. and the transparency of it. It's one of the things that <clears throat> that I really wanted to advocate for, and um, when I joined the electronic health record um, uh, board or panel for that, was to make sure that the patient had their access to their own files as well. It cuts down on cost. It Uh, saves time for Mm -hmm. the medical staff but it, it it, it really implants that trust back in the patient in the system that they can see exactly what is in their files, they can print it off if they want to so there's no three months waiting for an FOI request to be cleared and then getting your, your your medical files sent out in the post or anything like that, mm. everything is there when you need it.
0: So this is our future, and I'm really happy mm. that you have highlighted this to the listeners on the Disruptibility Podcast, that this is what we can look forward to in terms of our health system yeah. um, going forward. Now, you came back to Ireland, and you and your family, you are the first people to receive a licence, mm in ireland for medical cannabis is that correct yes okay how did you go about that um long process it it was all
1: while we were away it was working with the, the doctors the legislators um bringing evidence um our doctors in america working with us as well and um i think you know the evidence really was there so you know we were able to access it on a compassionate basis compassionate mm-hmm. um, access, um, but when we came back, I was invited to make recommendations to uh, the Medical Cannabis Access Program Committee, mm-hmm. and I done that. And some things were implemented straight away, um, like I, I I emphasized, you know, patients that would be driving, and the need for them to not be uh, criminalized if you know how, they're not going to carry around their medical files with them if they're stopped at the road and. They're tested. They need to ha- have some security that that they are still seen as patients. Mm-hmm. So um, legislation was was changed for that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think I think it just it broadened in, and then it was left to the doctors and the evidence mm-hmm. that this is something that that needs to be seen as as a, a medicine. So okay. I think they brought expertise from different countries as well and how their their programs were working. And they because we were, we were not last, but behind some of the other countries doing mm-hmm. it, they were able to take a stand back and have a look at how theirs was working and how others were not working, mm-hmm. and pick and choose and make a perfected uh, system. I don't think it's perfect yet. It's a starting point. But no, it's
0: not perfect yeah, yet, because yeah. if my child is sick, I can go down to my local pharmacy and get whatever medication I need. Can you tell our listeners what you have to do to get the medication for Tristan? Okay, so, so right now, um, it's usually a 4am
1: start, uh, get in my car, pass my pharmacist <laughs> in yeah. about a minute, uh, drive an hour to the, to the airport, um, take a flight to the Netherlands, um, then take a train, then take a tram and then a couple of steps to a chemist that looks no different to what ours does in, in our hometown mm-hmm. and uh, present our prescription and collect our medicine. And the same back, a tram, a train, a flight and an hour's drive home. And in all of that, it takes, I'm usually home. So it's 4 a.m. start. I'm usually home at about one o'clock the following Following morning yeah and how often do you have to make this trip Yvonne every three months every three months. yeah so we we're, we're it's it's great that we can get it in a bulk like that mm-hmm. Um. it would be better to just be able to walk over town with your script <laughs> yeah. like every other prescription yeah. so
0: you get your prescription from an Irish consultant in Ireland for an Irish child but we have to go to another European country. OK, I mean, we are a European country, in Ireland, but yeah. we go to another European country to fill the prescription. Yeah. Yeah. All because we have uncertainty or, as you said earlier, kind of taboo or stigma around a medication that has been proven that we have evidence works.
1: I think the biggest problem was and probably still is is. Not knowing how to use it, okay, um, as well as legal issues, you know there is. Um, but I think if a doctor picks up their their book on their desk and looks up, um, Eplum or stirpental or any of these medications, they are able to just go, okay, this child, this age, this weight, this dose this titration they know how to wean it up wean it down everything is there and it's just it's a book it's on every desk and they know exactly what to do with it and it's standardized and um, there's nothing like that with medical cannabis <clears throat> at least not yet um i think i think it works very differently as well it's not as easy as take a pill three times a day mm-hmm. So there's a lot more work in it and I don't think people understand that either especially for conditions like Dravet like seizure disorder disorders it it is it is more more work it's more work in it okay. less side effects and it works whereas in Dravet there's very few that do work um and particularly the side effects are of some of the medications and combined side effects are are dreadful mm-hmm. um but they don't have that how do we work and who do we fall back on do we have people we have research do we have clinical trials we don't have enough clinical trials do we have licensed products no um so where we have something like epidolics who are who have an fda approval who have received um approval from the ema um it's shockingly expensive and very it treats a very narrow line of patients mm-hmm. um So they don't have the protocol, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a a lot of research happening. Mm -hmm. We have some incredible researchers in Ireland. And there's a lot of interest in it. So it will be broader. It will be. It's just, it's not there right now.
0: But what is the state of play right now? Have we a couple of products that have been licensed in Ireland?
1: We have a couple of products approved. Approved, Um, okay. We do, we do. Um, We have... Um, two particular products that are p- approved. I'm not sure if they're actually being prescribed yet, but they are to um, to
0: they ready for the uh, MCAP. Yeah So if they're approved mm-hmm. and if a doctor prescribes them, does that mean that a patient can buy them on the island of Ireland? It means that they can uh, if,
1: if, if they're being prescribed, it is the case of a patient, Going into their their chemist with their script, getting their prescription, uh, it will be covered by the LTI long term illness book, uh, your medical card,
0: or or if it is the case that you're you're paying for it, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. But you can get it in Ireland. Yeah, you've had a hell of a journey, yeah, to get to this point, <laughs> and you have so much information. You are such a resource for other families. You know. Yeah yeah so. what are you doing in this area to um let people know are you on social media and
1: i think i've just always left left uh, I've, I've thrown out my email my phone number everywhere you know mm. and you know i've i've definitely helped patients get their license i've guided them along the way i've linked them with their doctors be it in ireland or europe i've you know helped them help them through the process of the Mm. licensing process so step by step what you need to do yet next and Mm -hmm. if if there's questions that they're getting from their doctors like how do we dose this then i'll put put them in touch with the professionals in in europe or in the states and they get their questions answered Mm -hmm. there or at least the patient is more informed if it is something that they feel this is a route for them or not Mm -hmm. um there's some patients who are getting their license now who wouldn't be covered under the medical cannabis access program, but they would be able to access it through a special license. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think I've left myself just open. Um, I'm here if you need me. Yeah. Um, some people have taken that, some people have gone down that, the, you know, maybe the, the food supplement route mm-hmm.
0: and, and chose that option instead. Um, I'm here if I need it. Yeah. Uh, no, you're fantastic. You give, you've given me such information as well. Um, do you know how many people are traveling? There's hundreds. Hundreds. There's hundreds. Okay. Yeah, there is hundreds traveling.
1: Um, I think where where we have we have a fraction of that. I think you know, close to forty patients who have who are getting their license not everyone is is seeking reimbursement not everyone is seeking a license or maybe they're looking for a product that isn't standardized Um, I mean I I I am an advocate for medical cannabis but a safe medical cannabis Mm -hmm. product Um, there is such a difference in the products that are out there there's patients that think they're getting medical cannabis and they're getting olive oil or they could be they they think they're getting cbd and they're getting pure thc so it's so dangerous it's so varied um there's a lot of online online um buying from patients for Mm. medical cannabis and it's not necessarily what they're getting, so there is a risk there, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why it should be made a little bit easier for them to to go down this route, if it's a route that that works for them. I mean, mm-hmm. it they, they, this is where the doctors are 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 critically needed. You know, mm-hmm. there are medications that are contraindicated. There is pressure and there is risk on your liver if you're taking medications or if you're in a treatment that it doesn't work for. Mm-hmm. Um. So, you you know, you need the advice of your doctors. I, I would have yeah, to, to, to look at you holistically. Yeah. So, I mean,
0: you might take one product, but as you say, it can impact on something yeah, else. Yeah, big time.
1: Yeah, and you okay. go down this route of self-medicating, which a lot of patients either feel they have to, or they just prefer to go down a self-medicating route. And they, they don't know what their their current medication is going to do with whatever this cannabis product is how it's going to interact it can aggravate it it can neutralize it it can nullify it it can it can you know quadruple some effects of some epilepsy medication effects so so that is a a ton of pressure to be putting on on your liver and if you're not getting consistent blood work done checking the liver you don't know if your medication needs to go up, or if, it, you need, you, if you can come off it, which is the case with Tristan, because he had constant blood work, we were able to see where medication was um, was being increased, the side or the, the effects of it were being increased. So we could actually reduce and eventually remove them altogether. Mm-hmm. So now he is nearly completely reliant on medical cannabis only. Mm. So you know, from
0: from seeing that that scientific proof. I I really want to thank you for giving us such clear and accurate information around medical cannabis because I think it is a topic that sometimes becomes very emotional or as you say because there's been such taboo or uncertainty around it for for so long but I think we're a mature nation now and we have to have a mature conversation around medical cannabis and if it is a medication that is working for many people then Irish citizens should be able to Yes. Access the product in Ireland. Absolutely, you shouldn't be leaving Don Manway to get all the way to the Netherlands and back in a day for a product that your son is clearly thriving on. Thriving, thriving on. Thriving. Yeah, because that he was the good news. Better. You came in with me today. He had a yeah. uh,
1: <laughs> a checkup
0: yeah. recently, and he's and doing great. Yeah, they're blown away. Yeah, they're blown away. He's he's
1: doing incredibly well for a child that had. A palliative care plan before we left to a child that is not reliant on pharmaceutical medications um, will possibly get a seizure if he's sick and at that we don't even need to rescue anymore and um, it's like 20 seconds 40 seconds and it stops on its own and he's up 10 minutes later playing with his trains or reading a book or whatever um, you know there's so many parts of his treatment that just don't exist anymore because he's doing so well and yeah. like realistically you know I I don't know if he'd even be here if yeah. we as a family don't yeah. believe he would be here if we hadn't gone when we did and got the treatment early enough that there wasn't brain damage or intellectual damage from the seizures yeah
0: so it's and we'll say like Tristan is in school and he's doing well in school yes. and life is going well. And yeah. it's all thanks to you actually taking the bull by the horns and getting the information because it wasn't given to you easily. You actually had to really go out and search oh, for that. You we, know? Did. we did. And yeah. I suppose I always come back to that's the power of love, isn't it? As a parent, as a mum, you know, the things that we'll do for our children. And it's that's what changes the conversation, changes the narrative and changes the culture. Yeah. around um, disability and yeah. that's what we're doing having a, a new conversation around disability in 2020 so thank you so much thank you for coming on to the disruptability podcast if people who are listening to this conversation today if they want to follow you or read some of your stuff or contact you how can they learn a little bit more about what Yvonne Calan has to say
1: um, on this topic I think I, I typically get, get patients or, or people uh, who want to know more through my Facebook page. It's just Yvonne Callan um, or email Yvonne Callan at MSN.com. Yep. Perfect. And yep. you're happy to take inquiries absolutely, from people. Absolutely, no problem. I'm used to it. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no yeah. problem for anyone contacting me.
0: Yeah. And it's the same on Inclusive Cork. We're always happy to answer questions for people around disability. And, um, you know, that's how we, if we share information you know, we will accelerate this conversation and make it better for everyone yeah. in society. And that's what it's about. I agree. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So yeah. thank you so much, yvonne cah so. for coming in today. And uh, I can't wait to meet Tristan soon. Yeah, awesome. Thank <laughs> All right, we'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Thank okay. <laughs>